Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. If you've ever been in a music store, and I'm sure you have, uh, I, I don't know how people can work at a music store because, you know, you're behind the counter and these people walk in and out all day long, picking up a guitar off the rack and doodling around on it. And if you've ever been in a music store that was kind of busy, maybe on a Saturday or something, and you hear like three different people all just kind of fiddling around, playing licks and screwing around with instruments and stuff. There comes a point where you just wish somebody would just play a song. Could you, for crying out loud, just play a song, you know? And by the way, if you want to get some attention, just go into a music store and sit down with one of the instruments that, you know, with their permission, of course, and just sit down and play and perhaps even sing a complete song from beginning to end. It will be shocking because you'll be the first person that month in that store to do that. And a lot of people will just stop what they're doing and just listen to you. And I think this, what I'm getting around to here is it's very easy when practicing to do the same sort of thing, to get out your instrument and, you know, start doodling around, trying this, trying that, working on this a little bit and, and maybe never play a full song. And then when it comes crunch time at a performance or a jam session, you know, it's the first time you've ever actually done it, you know, done the whole thing as if it were a real song. I mean, when you're learning your chords, how many times have you, you know, played rhythm start to finish and where the song is repeated the, the 12 times, you know, most people don't do that. I think playing along with tr- with, you know, with jam tracks and things like that helps you do that or playing along with records because you may practice your, let's say your rhythm playing throughout the entire song. And I think that kind of thing is really good to do. But what I'm, what I'm really getting at in this particular lesson is this tendency to jump around from one thing to another. We have short attention spans these days, thanks to the influence of television and fast-paced entertainment. Uh, you know, it's it's a rare person these days that can, uh, you know, just sit on the porch and idly watch the grass grow. We like action. We like change. We like excitement. And if you're, let's say you're practicing a tune and you've played it a few times, you might start get bored playing that tune. But what I'm suggesting is that the real progress is made if you just stay on it and stay on it and stay on it. Before I get into the meat of this particular episode and fully flesh out that topic, I want to say something about the survey that I've been running. I have a survey over on grasstalkradio.com, and right up at the top there is a button that says, Help Me to Help You, and quite a few people listeners to the show have gone over there and filled out the survey. And I'm now beginning to get an idea of who is listening. And I thought I'd just recap 
some of the current standings and also encourage you to go over there and complete the little survey. Question one was, what is your primary instrument? And 58% are showing mandolin, 16% banjo, 2% clawhammer banjo, 11% guitar, 2% fiddle, 3% upright bass, and 2% electric bass. So obviously we have primarily bluegrass players, and I suspect that, that it's heavily weighted towards mandolin because, and also banjo, 18% total for banjo and 58 for mandolin. This is because the majority of my website, you know, offerings are in information and instruction for banjo and mandolin. So it's because the website tends to feed people to over to the podcast. That's probably why it's so heavily weighted, you know, towards those instruments. But it does tell me that there are more mandolin players and banjo players listening than guitar players and upright bass players and fiddle players. So, you know, that will affect my topic choices a little bit. Although what I'm going to talk about today applies equally to every instrument and every style of music. Uh, the survey also asked, how long have you been playing? Because I was just curious, you know, if I see people that are have been playing 10 years or more, uh, you know, I'm thinking they may be listening for different reasons than somebody who's been playing less than a year. But what I'm seeing here is it's pretty equally divided. Less than a year, 27%. One to three years, 31%. Three to 10 years is 24%. 10 years plus is 18%. So it's a pretty mixed bag there. And that got me thinking, well, Maybe how long you've been playing doesn't really say much about your ability level because I know people who've been playing two years that are becoming very good at, at what they're doing. And I know people that have been playing for 20 years that haven't made a lot of progress. So perhaps that won't tell me much about, you know, your skill level. I, I am curious about your skill level. I should have, I suppose, in hindsight, asked the question, how do you rate your own playing, you know, on a scale of one to five or something? I didn't do that, but uh, maybe on the next round of this thing, I may change it a little, a little bit. Anyway, that's enough about the survey. If you haven't completed the survey, go ahead and hop over to grasstalkradio.com and click that button. And it's just five or six questions to help me devise topics of interest for the show. So help me to help you. All right, now let's get back to this topic. <clears throat> I did an episode a while back, episode number 14, called Jack of All Trades. And sort of the question that I was addressing in that particular episode was, is it okay to try to learn more than one instrument? Should a person who plays banjo also maybe play the guitar or the dobro or the bass or the fiddle, you know? And... You know, I fleshed out the pros and cons to that. You can go back and listen to Jack of All Trades uh, to refresh your memory about my thoughts on that. But I got to thinking that the uh, the same principle or the same question could be asked about, okay, you've decided to focus on one particular instrument, perhaps mandolin, perhaps banjo, whatever. So now that you're you focused in on one instrument, I, I think the same question comes up. Are you trying to do 
too many different styles? Are you trying to tackle too many different tunes? Are you trying to learn, you know, too many things simultaneously? And it reminded me of, I've seen a, a thing on, on a forum on the internet, a, a, a group of people, and it's called the tune of the week group. And each week somebody posts a new tune and then people work on that tune during that week. And I guess maybe they put up some videos of them playing it and things like that. And it, you know, it's kind of a fun thing to do perhaps, you know, learn a tune a week. And at the end of the year, you've got 52 tunes, but I want to say that unless you are, let's say a mandolin player of the caliber of Sam Bush or David Grisman or something like that. I'm just going to venture to guess that the average person and certainly the average beginner or intermediate intermediate player cannot fully process and master and learn 52 different songs in a year. Once you achieve a certain skill level, you can learn tunes fairly rapidly. But what I'm talking about here is learning, uh, learning a tune, mastering that tune. And I don't think that can be done in a week. Certainly if, if you've been playing a year, I don't think you can master a tune in a week. I just don't think it's possible. I know I can't do it. Oh, I could, you know, I could learn the gist of the tune and I could, I could have a version of it, but it might not be the version that I'm really, really happy with. So what I'm getting at here is this concept of choosing something and trying to get really, really good at it. So you have to analyze yourself. I can't, I can't know what you need or want to do with your instrument. Or you're singing. I shouldn't leave that out either. So you have to ask yourself, you know, what do you know? And, you know, what are your shortcomings? What would you like to do? What would you, what do you wish you knew more about? What do you wish you were more able to do? And then once you've selected something, then fix it. Stay focused on that one thing until you've made some real progress and have made some real improvement on that. And here's some, you know, possible suggestions. Let's say you're a beginner on any instrument and you know, four or five chords. Well, perhaps a good project would be to learn all 12 major and minor chords. That's going to open up a whole world to you of, you know, you won't, you won't be stumped by chords. So if that's something you don't know, perhaps make that your goal. Focus entirely on learning how to play all 12 major and minor chords. It could be, you know, if you're a mandolin player, you're, you know how to do some two finger chords and you're having trouble with chop chords and rhythm. Well, focus on that. Focus on that one thing. Try to improve your your rhythm playing and you need to dedicate time to that. And what I'm suggesting is to dedicate time to that, to the exclusion of other things. If, if, if you get out your instrument and you've got a list of 
10 things I'm going to work on today. Yes, you are practicing, but maybe it'd be better to pick one thing and just keep hammering at it until you see some improvement. Now, I will admit some things are very difficult, like the uh, the getting your little finger to behave playing those big chop chords on the mandolin. I realize that doing long marathon sessions may just wear you out and may cause more problems. I'm not saying that you need to do long practice sessions. What I'm saying is you need to focus on small goals. Set yourself a goal. And if it's five minutes a day or five minutes twice a day or 15 minutes three times a week or 30 minutes five days a week, whatever. But every time you get that thing out, start with that one thing. Say, do I know all my 12 major and minor chords? And if you don't, keep at it. Keep at it until somebody can call out a chord and say B minor and bam, you go right to it. Okay, another thing might be, you know, let's say, two songs. That's not uncommon for a beginner to, if I say, okay, play me something, play me something you know. Sometimes I'll have a beginner who will decide to take some lessons, and they've been learning on their own for a while. I'll say, well, you know, just give me an idea where you are, play me something. Well, I... I don't really know much. Well, do you know any tunes? Well, I can play Cripple Creek. Okay, play Cripple Creek. What else do you know? Um, That's pretty much it. Okay, so that person, they're going to be hindered by their lack of, of a, a sufficient list of tunes to play. I mean, you know, it's no fun to go to a jam session and only know one tune. So perhaps for that person, they need to make a list of 10 songs that they want to learn and then begin knocking them out one at a time, learn some tunes. So that keeps them focused on learning tunes. It may not be a tune a week. It might be a tune a month or it might be a tune every three months to get them really good. So maybe that's, maybe that's your problem. I guess what I'm saying is ask yourself what's your problem and what do you know and what don't you know? And pick something and fix it, you know? So let's say that you now have a dozen tunes that you can play. I can play Old Joe Clark. I can play Boil Them Cabbage Down. I can play Salt Creek. And you've got a pretty decent version of each one that you're pretty happy with. Well, maybe your problem is speed. Maybe you're playing them, but you're not just... You're just not getting them up to speed. My suggestion is to choose the one that you play the best and begin working on improving the speed of that tune. And just focus on speed building, speed building. That is your new goal. And when you achieve some results with that, that's going to carry over to the other tunes as well. And they will come along easier once you've done that. But stay focused on the one thing. If you if you spend two minutes, let's say you do a 30-minute practice session, you spend, you know, five minutes uh, working on new chords and five minutes trying to learn a new tune and five minutes trying to do speed building, and, and you do all these different things, did you spend enough time on any one thing to make any real progress? I guess 
what I'm really getting at here is that to make measurable progress, you, you need to whittle things down to some limited goals and work on those and work on them hard. And then I think you'll see real results and those results will carry over into the other things. It's, it's amazing how practicing one song or a group of exercises, how that can help the other songs that you play. Because if you get better, more accurate, faster, better tone, more fluid with Salt Creek, I guarantee you without trying, your red-haired boy got better because your technique got better. But I think jumping around from, from one thing to another, you know, trying to learn 10 songs at once is not going to be helpful in that way because it's, it's very confusing. There's, there's just too many things going on. Let's, let's talk about you have decided that you want to learn some new tunes and you want to improve your technique. So I'm suggesting that you choose one tune, maybe two, maybe two, limit it to that because you might get really sick of one and you can switch and work on the other. That will slow you down, but it might keep you interested. So let's just assume you've picked one tune and choose wisely. You know, pick one you really want to learn. Pick one you like to hear other people play and you say to yourself, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that like that guy. Man, I would give anything if I could do that. Okay. And I really like that tune. That's helpful. Pick a good one because you're going to spend a lot of time with it. And you don't want to waste time working on something that you don't like or don't really want to do. So pick yourself a good tune. Then, second step, figure out exactly what you are attempting to do. Maybe you've chosen a tune. Maybe you're going to learn Jerusalem Ridge on the mandolin or the fiddle or any instrument. Well, you need to figure out a version of the tune that you're going to learn. You need to devise that yourself, write your own solo to it, borrow one from someone else, you know, steal a version of the tune, find a version. You need a version to practice, not 10 versions, not five versions. Learn one, get it really down pat before you worry about variations and so on. Get yourself one good basic version of the tune and start practicing it. Also, get the tune memorized. Once you've figured out the fingerings and what it is you're attempting to do, get it memorized. Use the paper as an aid to memorying, memory, but don't rely on the paper. Try to get beyond the paper. Try to get the tune in your head. Next phase, get out the metronome. I'm not going to go into too much depth about, well, no depth about using metronomes and all that kind of stuff. There is information in my Madeline Masterclass book, in particular, for, and Madeline Training Camp, talking about that if you're a Madeline player. I'll do a future episode about that metronomes as a practice technique and so on. But anyway, get your metronome out. The gist of it is. Don't spend, don't waste your time practicing by playing poorly. Try to play it 
very well as perfect as you can the more perfect repetitions that you do the better player you will become so if that means playing very very slowly do so what you don't want to do is give yourself any practice playing poorly you know try to play as perfectly as you can and that generally means slow down and you'll make fewer mistakes and that gets burned into your subconscious okay enough about that also try to find or make some jam tracks jam tracks are a huge step up from a metronome especially if they're played well and they're in time because it's just more fun to play along with a with a good sounding jam track than a click of a metronome i'm not saying jump straight to jam tracks because a lot of times they're not slow enough and if you use those amazing slow downers and things like that and slow that jam track down it can sound really bizarre so at the slower tempos i suggest a metronome and then when you've developed you know a reasonable speed with it that matches some jam tracks that you have switch over to the jam tracks because it's a whole lot more fun and you'll begin to understand the context of the notes that you're playing relative to the chords another thing you should do is record yourself and then listen to it just pretend you're someone else hearing you and it's uh you know you're gonna you're going to hear things that you may not hear when you're you know when you're playing because your mind is occupied with doing it instead of just listening to it when the recordings you're making are starting to sound good hey you can pat yourself on the back but stay on that one thing until you see progress and then if you're seeing progress why not get even better at it now if you're getting sick of the tune you know it's possible that you picked the wrong tune and this is where I think it's important if you're feeling that way if you feel like man this is just not happening I think it's important for you to decide did I choose the wrong tune or did I choose the wrong version of the tune or is it maybe just me I doubt very seriously that you chose the wrong tune because you love the tune and you want to learn to play it you may have chosen the wrong version of the tune you may be tackling a version that is maybe out of your league in terms of difficulty i i think you could still learn it it's just going to take longer so perhaps move to a pared down slightly simpler version that's a possibility but i think what happens here is a lot of people sort of give up and they they start blaming the tune or blaming the arrangement when it's really something internal they're just not happy with their progress and they feel like they're making a lot of mistakes and they begin to think negatively that i'll never get this and they think maybe i should learn something else and that's a mistake <clears throat> that's a mistake of that that could possibly be brought on by that tune of the week mentality just toward the end of the week and you haven't mastered the thing yet and you may be getting a little sick of it and you begin to blame the tune so you want a new tune and it's the tune isn't the problem the problem is you and your ability you haven't practiced it for a long enough period of time to really make good progress yet 
So I'm just encouraging you, don't switch gears, don't change tunes. Maybe look for a newer version that's a little easier. One of the things, if you're a mandolin player, in my video lessons, one of the things I, I did in many of the song-based lessons was provide multiple versions, a, a kind of a basic version and an embellished version. And certain tunes have more than two versions. So those those might be helpful that if, if you're trying to learn, let's say, Sally Gooden, that particular lesson has a very basic version, and then it has three other versions. So you can sort of choose the one that you think is appropriate for where you are today. Okay, so you're working on the tune, you're sticking with the tune. At some point, you also need to begin to play this tune with other people. That means when they ask you at the jam session, hey, what do you want to play? Play that tune, you know. Or it could just be, you know, you've got a friend and you get them to come over to the house and you sit on the porch and you play that tune. That is the true test because you may get really good at playing it along with that jam track at 100 beats a minute. And then you go to the jam session, they play it at 110 or 120 or 130 or 140. <laughs> the true test is, can you play it with other people? And trust yourself, you will know when the tune is really coming together. You'll know, because it'll feel really good. If it doesn't feel good, back to the practice, you know. But if you swap gears at that time, say, okay, well, that tune isn't happening, I'll try another tune, you know. I'm afraid that is a recipe for never making any real progress. So stick with it, choose something and stick with it and say, I'm going to stay on this thing until I can play it. That separates the men from the boys, you might say, to use a politically incorrect term. <laughs> okay, so let's say you did make some progress, and wow, you're, you're playing that tune pretty good. What do you do now? Pick another tune. Pick another challenge, a new challenge, and repeat the process. But when you repeat the process on the second one, continue keeping the first one in shape that may mean longer practice sessions and this uh go back and listen to practice versus playing at that point you're now playing the first one and you're practicing the second one and you need to do both i talk about that fully in episode 10 playing versus practice versus playing <clears throat> now let me t talk about one other thing here tell a little personal story for me uh, a couple of years ago, I decided to take up the dobro, and I was going to learn to play the dobro. Just kind of wanted to do something new. So I got myself a dobro, and I did the very thing that I hope other people don't do. And that was immediately I tuned it up, put on my picks, and went to YouTube and started jumping around looking for free lessons, you know, <laughs> on how to play the dobro. Now, I also sat around just fiddling with it just monkeying around, seeing what I could figure out on my own. And, you know, after a few days of this, I, you know, I, I was becoming a little familiar with the thing, but I, I, there was no way I could take it to the jam session on Tuesday night and pull that thing out. There was just no way. But I did. I went anyway. And, you know, I had figured out how to play the major chords. That wasn't difficult. You just slap the bar down and pick a few strings. But when it came to playing a break or a solo on tunes, I, I 
hadn't made much progress. So a few weeks of this and looking on YouTube, and there's some good free stuff up there. I'm not knocking the free stuff that you find on the internet. But what what bothered me is it, it dawned on me one day that I was doing the very thing that I hope other people won't do with my materials. I've got free stuff up there. My website's full of free information and lessons, and I've got free videos on YouTube, but I'm also selling, you know, far more elaborate video lessons and eBooks and courses and things like that. And it's, you know, I was trying to get the free lunch, you might say. And I, I give the example of, you know, if you're going to try to, eat healthy and, uh, you know, get your body in shape. I don't think, you know, hitting all the happy hours in town and just munching on the free hors d'oeuvres is the way to do that. You know, it's probably better to go to the grocery store, buy some quality food and go home and cook yourself a proper meal and eat like that rather than just, you know, hitting the, uh, the chicken wings at the local bar when they put them out for free. I wrote an article about this on my blog. I don't know if you guys know about my blog. Way before I ever did the podcast, I was doing some of the same concept of I'd think of something I felt like talking about. And I would just write a little article and put it on my website. And you may, if you haven't looked at those, may want to. Uh, just go to bradleylaird.com and at the very top of every page, well, certainly at the home page, it says blog up there. Click that and you'll get the list of all the articles I've done. And I wrote an, wrote this article about me learning to play the Dobro and what made the real difference for me. <clears throat> and what I decided to do, I was thinking, okay, I've done what everybody else does. I've, I've been trying to figure it all out myself and figure it out for free and jumping around to all these different videos and stuff. And I thought, well, I'm going to do what I wish other people would do. And I found a guy that has, has a website where he sells Dobro instruction materials and video lessons. And I thought, hey, let me see how this guy does it. And I bought myself a video lesson for how to play one particular song. And the, the song I chose was a song called, called I Fall to Pieces. Uh, you probably remember Patsy Cline doing that. And I chose that deliberately because I was figuring out the key of G pretty easy because of the tuning of a dobro is very similar to the tuning of a banjo. So I was finding my way around in G and I thought, he's teaching this thing in the key of B flat without a capo. And I thought, if I could learn to do this, if I can learn to play in this open B flat and learn to navigate and learn this song well, that it would help me play everything. And I was right about that. I don't think more than once or twice I've ever played the song. I Once I learned the solo, I would suggest it at the jam session and they didn't know the chords or we just never really played the thing. But I noticed that my playing on all the other stuff that they were doing had gotten better almost by magic because one of the techniques I was learning by really concentrating on learning that one version of that one song it helped me play other songs better. So I hope you get, you know, why I think this relates to the topic. It, the, the thing was, instead of trying to learn 20 things or 10 things, I decided to learn one thing. And that one thing taught me 20 other things. Make sense? Okay. 
enough about all this. If you want to read that, my complete confession about, uh, you know, trying to do it, trying to get a free lunch, I'll put a link on the show notes page for this episode that'll take you straight over to that article. Or you can go the, the long way around and just go to bradleylaird.com and click blog and you'll find a whole bunch of other articles too. Okay, so enough about this. I hope you get the point. You need to choose something and, and stop trying to do 20 things at once. Pick one, make progress with that. Pick something else, make progress with that. You know, if you don't know anything about music theory, you know, when somebody says major seventh and you have to admit you don't really know what that means, you might know how to form one. Or when somebody says, you know, the flatted third or that's a a six chord or the pentatonic scale or whatever. If that stuff, if, if you're not conversant in that, just admit that that's a weakness and it's one that is really, really easy to fix. If you're a mandolin player, you go to mandolin master class. The second half of the book is a short course in music theory, just for mandolin bluegrass mandolin players. And it's, you're, you're only going to learn the things that I feel like are really helpful to you as a bluegrass mandolin player or or any other kind of mandolin player i'm not saying it's just bluegrass but it's there it's a it's a self-teaching course and it's you get it and make that your thing go through that whole thing the whole course take the six little self tests and grade yourself and when you're scoring 100 on all those tests you've accomplished something now you'll know that stuff for the rest of your life same thing is true if you're a banjo player if that is your same shortcoming, if you don't know the the chord numbering system, if you don't know these things about what's the difference between a major and a minor chord and why is it so, and what is a blues scale and things like that, you don't have to know these things, but if you want to know them and you're a banjo player, get the ebook, The Flint Hill Scrolls. It's right there. It's got self-tests. It's got, it's very much like Mantle Masterclass. So these are short practical music theory courses for banjo or mandolin it's there you want to you got that problem fix it you know the the cost of those things is a lot less than what you paid for your instrument so you know in fact you know I, a couple of sets of strings is cost more than these things do and that knowledge will stick with you the rest of your life if you're short on tunes if you're a banjo player and you're a beginner check out easy to pick banjo tunes that will give you some tunes to play that are right in your skill level. You know, mandolin players, I've got the mandolin video lessons that are song oriented. You know, if you want to hear my lecture about this, listen to the episode called dear John, where I talk, talk about John and what a good improviser he is, but he just doesn't know any standard tunes or very few. And if that is your problem, set about changing that. You know, I think every banjo player, mantle player worth his salt needs to know a dozen tunes. And it, you know, those common tunes that everybody plays, you know, you ought to know how to do them too. And this is a simple way to do that. You just choose the tune, start studying the video. A lot of them come with jam tracks and stuff. And you got the tab, you know exactly what you're trying to do. Set about accomplishing it, you know? Okay, let's begin. This is all turning 
into, it's beginning to sound like a sales pitch for my stuff. And I suppose that it is, but this stuff works, you know, and this concept works. I don't care if you use my material or somebody else's, the concept of choose one thing and try to get really good at it is how you get better at what you do. Okay. Enough about all this. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If if anything else, maybe it was just a little pep talk you needed today. And I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast and share it with your fellow bluegrass musicians. Thanks a bunch, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.